0: Welcome to Living the Empowered Life podcast, where we discuss all things empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. My name is Yvonne Ellis. I'm an empowerment speaker, author, coach, trainer, and founder of Yumi Empowerment, a company that facilitates the empowerment of people. I help people to make positive life change, live in their purpose, and develop into their best version of self. I share stories. Interviews, spiritual encouragement, and actionable tips to empower, encourage, and inspire you to live the life you want. So, if you want to live the empowered life, join me each week on my podcast. Welcome to Living the Empowered Life podcast. My name is Yvonne. This is episode 10. I can't believe I've actually made it to episode 10. I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that, wow, I was even stuck at even doing the first episode and here I am now, 10 episodes later. So, you know, big well done to myself, I must say. I'm really encouraged by the feedback that I have been getting on the episodes and they have been really encouraging to me the comments that I have, you know, been sent by other people because it helps me to know that I'm on the right track and that I'm adding value to people's lives with what I share. So please continue to support this podcast, share it with your friends, share it with your family Whatever platform you're listening to it on, I think only specifically on Apple iTunes can you leave a review. Please leave a review if you're on Apple iTunes. But if you have Spotify or Stitcher, you know, continue to listen to the episodes as well. You know, subscribe so that you don't miss the bi-weekly episodes. So in today's episode, I want to talk to you about how pain birthed my purpose I think this is a really important episode, so I want to share with you something a little bit more deeper about myself. For those of you who are not familiar with my story, um, I'm going to be sharing that with you today. Some of you may be familiar with my story because of my books, Daughter Arise and Choose Life, and also because of my charitable organisation that I set up to help survivors of childhood sexual abuse. Over on that platform, I have shared my story loads of times, you know, to encourage people to share my testimony and, you know, I've always got a lot of love and support over there. But I felt I wanted to share it on this platform, Living the Empowered Life Podcast, because... I think it is beneficial for you to hear a little bit about where I've come from. And I know on previous episodes, I have kind of summarized a little bit that I'd gone through sexual abuse and gone through some really hard circumstances. But I thought it would be good to just give you a deeper insight into my journey so you know that as somebody who lives the empowered life, I have come through the other side of very difficult and hard circumstances. So that is why I wanted to share with you my story today and some things I learned about my story as well. Now, I do need to warn you because of the content that I am going to be sharing, you may find it upsetting. You may find it triggering if you have gone through abuse yourself. So I just want to prepare you for what I'm going to share. If you feel that it's something you can't listen to right now, you know, and you want to come back and listen to it, please do so. If you don't want to listen to this episode because it might bring up difficult things for you, that is totally understandable as well. So I'm going to share a little bit of my story. I was the oldest of three uh, siblings. I have a brother who's the middle sibling and a younger sister. I grew up in uh, England, London, specifically on the Winstanley estate in Battersea, and I lived there for most of my life. My mum and dad weren't married But we lived as a family together and because it was on an estate, my gran lived around the corner from us. And growing up in my house, you know, nothing really out of the ordinary happened in my younger years. I grew up during the 80s and the 80s was just an amazing time to grow up in. I mean, you only have to look through some of the 80s videos on YouTube and go in the comments to see that a lot of people really appreciated growing up in the 80s and some of the life lessons and things that they did during that time. But the 80s was an amazing time to grow up in. I remember playing out with my friends, you know, skating about, uh, eating ice creams, you know, practicing dance moves, you know, all the fun childhood things that you would expect a child to do. And, you know, I played out with my brother and sister and we had loads of friends because we lived on an estate and we had friends on other estates as well. One thing I would say about growing up in my family was that there was a bit of an atmosphere of fear within our household. Just because my dad was somebody who had a bad temper, he had a problem with anger and um, he was quite controlling. And, you know, if you did something wrong, you know, you immediately felt fearful about the consequences of doing things wrong. I know that's probably ordinary for a lot of children, you know, and when they do things wrong, they fear the response of their parent. But with my dad, it just felt like, you know, it was this constant thing of feeling fearful around him. When he was in a good mood, the house would be light, you know, there'd be laughter and stuff. But if he wasn't in a good mood, the whole mood of the house would change. As the older sibling, I sometimes felt that I didn't really get a lot of attention from my mum. Obviously, I had my brother who was in the same boat as well because he was a boy. You know, he didn't really have that connection with my dad as such. And he probably felt some of the things that I felt. And it did feel at times that my younger sister, obviously being young, got most of the attention. That's how I understood it at the time as a child. So one day I decided to tell a lie. And the lie was that I was sick to stay off school. I was nine years old at the time and I had it all worked out in my head that If I lie, instead of school, my mum would stay off work and then she would be able to spend time with me. But it didn't work out like that. My mum had to go into work and instead my dad offered to stay home to look after me, which in itself was quite odd because my dad didn't do none of that kind of parenting stuff with us like... The parents evenings as such or staying home and looking after us when we were sick or cooking my mum predominantly did all those jobs she worked as a bookkeeper my dad worked as a self-employed decorator so he was always out late always you know working because he was self-employed so he never did any of that stuff so that in itself was unusual but it didn't make me feel anything I just thought that was a bit weird because that wasn't what he did in our house so anyway my dad stayed home to look after me I was downstairs watching some type of cartoon or something on the TV. I was lying about on the sofa in my little Tom and Jerry twin vest and knicker set. And from upstairs, I heard my dad call me. And I thought he was going to call me upstairs to wash dishes or send me to do a chore or send me to the corner shop or something like that. So I went upstairs and knocked on the door and he told me to come in. And when I went into the room, my dad told me to get into the bed. Now, immediately, I knew something was wrong. I felt something was wrong, but I just didn't know what. My parents never allowed any of us, my brother, sister or me, to get into bed with them. And it was just a really odd kind of situation. Anyway, when I got into the bed with my dad, I was nine years old at the time. As I said, my dad basically raped me. And the only thing that I could think about to get out of that situation was to use the excuse that I needed to go to the toilet. I was in pain. I left the room. I went into the bathroom. I sat on the bathroom floor and locked the door. And I was just in a state of shock. I didn't know, you know, how to respond to what had happened to me. I didn't know what had happened to me. But at the same time, I was conscious of the fact that because of how my dad's temperament was... My dad was never the type of person you'd make call you twice. If he called you um, more than once, you're going to get in trouble. So I had all this going on in my mind as well. That kind of fear thing of, you know, saying I wanted to go to the toilet and taking too long and my dad having to call me whilst balancing the shock and horror of what had just happened to me. Anyway, I managed to get myself off the bathroom floor I went back into the bedroom and, you know, thank God he didn't ask me to go back in the bed with him that day. Instead, I went to my bedroom that I shared with my sister and I just cried and cried. I was really, really scared. I was feeling quite low about what had happened. And I'd like to say to you that this was a one off circumstance with my dad. And yes, he is my natural dad, not a stepdad. Um, And even then, you know, the whole thing about stepdads being the ones that perpetrate this type of crime is very, very low. It's like under five percent. But yes, he was my real dad. He, He did this to me. And I'd like to say, you know, that this was a one off experience. But by the end of that week, my dad had started to escalate the abuse. So he came to me and said in the evenings when I have my evening wash, I'm to call into the bathroom. And the bathroom was opposite their bedroom. So my mum, who used to come in from work, after she'd cooked dinner, she'd sit on the bed and watch Thames News, because that was about in the 80s. So she could see directly who was going in and out of the bathroom. She saw my dad coming into the bathroom every night, and she never said anything. When my father came into the bathroom after I had my wash, he would sexually assault me in the bathroom. And just as I was trying to get my head around the intrusiveness of his behaviour... Again, by the end of the week, the abuse stepped up a level when one night he came into the room. It was really, really late. You know, lights were off and you can see the orange street lights. you know, on the estate were on. You know, everybody's lights in their house were off. So, you know, you know, it's late. He came into the bedroom and told me to get on my coat and shoes and wait under the living room stairs because the bedrooms were upstairs. And then you'd have to go down two flights of stairs to the living room. And I had to wait under the living room stairs. He came downstairs and then we had to make our way around the estate. As I said, I knew it was late because of the street lights were on and nobody's lights in their house were on. And he was taking me around the estate and I was wondering where we were going. But we ended up at my nan's house. And he went upstairs, told me to wait under the stairs outside her house. And he went upstairs to make sure she wasn't up. And then when he thought the coast was clear, he came and got me and then he had a room over there which he kept as an office and it was always locked because when we used to go over as kids you know we used to try and peep through the keyhole of this room and never could see anything but um in this room he had like a bed uh office equipment and stuff like that and then he basically you know raped me And those incidents that I went through went on for five years. Every Friday and Saturday night, I was a shell of a child. The happy, bubbly child that I was, who was sometimes shy and introverted, just became a child that had horrendous mood swings. Um, I started stealing at 10. I started acting out. At the age of 10, I told my mum I took tablets. I only took like two to three paracetamols, thinking that would be enough to do something. And I don't think I was really taking it to kill myself. I think I was taking it to try and use it as a sign for help. But on telling my mum, she told me to go outside and play, you know, totally uninterested in what was going on. But as I said, this abuse went on for five years. And that was until the day when I was around 13 years old, sometime in my 13th year, Childline in 1988, we're going around all the schools talking to, you know, um, pupils about what different types of abuse was. And it was in that class when one of their representatives came that I understood that I went through childhood sexual abuse. All those years of not knowing what was going on with me, all those years of suffering in silence with this thing that I refer to as it, and I finally had a name. And for a long time, I imagined that when I had the name for what was going on with me, that somehow if I said it, you know, all of a sudden things would be better. But I found myself in that class feeling embarrassed, looking around and wondering if people knew that this lady was talking about what I was going through. That's how I felt. There's no way nobody would know what I was going through. But as a young teenager, that is what I thought. A few days later, I tried to run away well not run away as such I ran to a friend's house after an argument with my mum a few days later my dad tied me to a chair and beat me with a kettle wire flex and that just set off a different path for my life because I told my friend who lived on a different estate what had happened to me I showed her the welts on my arm told her that you know my dad was sexually abusing me and within a few days You know, she told her mum, her mum told the head of her secondary school and he called social services. And basically, one day on coming home from school. um, I'd gone to my nan's house to get some biscuits. And when I came back out of the house, my brother ran around the balcony and told me the police were in the house and other people in the house. And when I got back, I thought I was going to be in serious trouble. But the social services said they had a report that I was going through abuse. They came to take me into care. That started a journey in my life that was quite difficult and rocky. I went through a lot of adversity. I went through a lot of situations that a 13-year-old girl shouldn't have gone through. And I had to become my own mother and father. I suffered from depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, which I was diagnosed with at 13 years old. Self-harmed. I was rejected by my family and ostracised by them. They called me a liar. My mum calls me a drama queen who was seeking attention. There was just so many different things going on and I didn't really have time to deal with the grief and deal with my trauma because being in care, I had to learn to navigate being in the care system, numerous placements, being around people I didn't know learning to do things for the first time because I came from a family background. So it was a really difficult time in my life. And I didn't deal with a lot of my trauma of my abuse, even though resources like therapy were made available to me because I just couldn't cope with it. There was just too much going on in my life. So going through childhood sexual abuse and the adversity that came with that experience was one of the most difficult things that I'd ever gone through. You know, besides the rejection, the humiliation, the betrayal, the depression, and the breakdown, I felt that I was really broken as a person. And I didn't ever think that I would ever recover from those things. I didn't think that I was lovable or valuable. And I didn't think, you know, that I could amount to anything. Going through the abuse, the rejection, the humiliation, the betrayal, and depression, which led to me having a breakdown. At 22 years old, being hospitalized on medication left me open to a lot of other situations in my life where people felt they could take advantage of me. I had low self-esteem and low confidence. I didn't even trust my own words. so I was always looking to other people for validation of the things I was doing, validation of myself. And, you know, giving people too much power always leads to this type of destructive behavior from others because they feel that then they're better than you. And I had people who actually did say that they felt they were better than me because outwardly I struggled with a lot of things because of my experience. And that was evident, really. I was somebody, as I said, who was depressed. And it was obvious I was depressed when people saw me because, you know, sometimes I would... Walk with my head down or speak very low and things like that. But I suffered through a lot of things over the years. And it was one big situation that I went through with my older daughter that was the catalyst for a lot of things. And if you want to know more about the situation with my daughter and about my upbringing and everything, you can get my book, Daughter Arise. I will leave a description for it in the show notes. But it was because of all these different things that I'd gone through that built up within me, the, all the different experiences that I had, that after a while, I just felt led to share my voice and to voice my experiences When I wrote my book, Daughter Arise, it was the first time that I ever got to sit down and tell people how I felt about the things that had happened to me, to voice the things that had happened to me and to just be able to just share my voice without people condemning me, without people thinking that I was worthless. Because up until that point when I released my book in 2010, nobody cared about the things that I went through. I was looked on as less than because I went through sexual abuse, because I was in the care system, because I had um, mental difficulties and all these things. People wrote me off. But, you know, God says he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And that is what exactly happened when I wrote my book. Really, when I started writing that book, it was a very difficult thing to do. It took two and a half years to do it. Because writing about my childhood was extremely painful and that took the longest part of time. But after I wrote about that, the book started to flow more easily. Even though other things were just as painful, it didn't take as long to write about them. But once I wrote that book, it really was just about me getting my voice out there. I got a publishing deal. I um, released this book. And I was just amazed at the response and everything I got from other people. It was just absolutely mind-blowing. So many people got so much from my story. People said they found it encouraging. Other survivors of childhood sexual abuse said it helped them now to start to find their voice and to get help. Other people who had not gone through abuse but had gone through issues such as abortion and things like that said that for a long time they felt very um, bad and shameful about what they had done and it helped them to, to, you know, go to God and, you know, ask for forgiveness and to find peace in those situations. Other people who had depression, said they could recognise, you know, through my story, the journey and the struggle that I had with mental health at the time. So there were so many people that were being touched by my story, not just survivors, but other people as well. And it was then that I actually realised that I had the gift of empowering other people. And I realised that was my purpose. After I wrote the book I decided I wanted to do more and I set up Daughter Arise which is my charitable organisation which is going to be 10 years old this year and you know I just discovered that my pain was the gift that keeps on giving and I can say that with humour now because it is so true. I discovered my gift of empowerment transcended my experience of just going through sexual abuse and that through my skills talents and life experiences, I had the gift of empowering other people to make positive life change who had become stuck in their own life. Now, obviously, there was a process that I had to go through, you know, forgiveness, therapy, you know, it was part of my healing process. But, you know, the biggest part of my healing and the biggest thing I can say about my life transition is Jesus Christ, because when I found God at 21 years old, or should I say he found me just before I had my breakdown at 22, I was in a real broken place. And through allowing God into my heart and life, you know, I found that, you know, I was able to overcome so many things and it was a process. Nothing was a magic wand But, you know, God was the one that brought this transformation in my life through his son, Jesus. And having Jesus walk alongside me through everything that I went through was really, really powerful. So going through the process, healing process with God and going through therapy and everything else helped me to understand my issues. Okay, so there's some things that I learned from birthing purpose in my pain. The first thing I learned, it was painful, unpleasant, but totally necessary. Just like the body prepares to go through the process of birthing a baby, there is a process that you have to go through when you deal with pain to prepare you for the blessing. I had to face my trauma, the humiliation, betrayal of all that I endured and deal and heal with every aspect of it. Had I not gone through the process, I certainly would not have been in a place to recognize or accept my God-given purpose. And I could never have given birth to the things I'm doing now if I didn't go through all the stages. The second thing that I learned from my pain that birthed my purpose was that what I experienced was not about me. Now, this might seem like a really strange or weird thing to say. But if I didn't have those experiences, I wouldn't be able to be in a place to guide people through the same difficulties. I'm not saying it should have happened to me or that it was meant to. But that is the beauty and reality of free will. Sometimes people make some terrible choices. My dad made a choice that affected my life for a very long time, over 30 years. And I was left to deal with the consequences. The fact that I overcame so much adversity means I can tell people who are going through life challenging issues that there is a way out. And show them the steps to get a way out. Connect with them and give them the tools to help. Lastly, finding purpose for my pain allowed me to connect authentically with all parts of myself. I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going. I'm now in a place where I know my identity and who I am, far removed from that girl who had no confidence and low self esteem. I know why God has put me on earth and I know I'm here to empower and inspire. My mission is to bring the vision and call God has on my life to reality and walk in its fullness. My purpose will take time to grow into what it's meant to be. So there's a couple of quotes I want to share with you if you are also in a place where you are in pain from certain things that you're going through and you've not yet found a purpose in it. So the first quote I want to share with you is your pain will propel you to rise, not fall. Another quote I want to share with you is that some of life's most valuable lessons and opportunities really are disguised as setbacks at the time. That is by Dr. Robert Young. The first one, I don't have a name for who that quotes by, but at the moment I'm still on that book about confidence by him. And I will be sharing a review on Living the Empowered Life YouTube channel shortly about that book. And lastly, I want to share with you a Bible scripture, and it is from the NIV version of the Bible. It is chapter 50, verse 20, and it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What people meant for bad against me, God has turned for good, for the good of others. And it's because of my experiences, because I gave birth to my purpose from the pain that I'm able to be in a position to help other people. So let me finish now by saying this. Whatever pain that you have gone through. Whatever things that you have found hard and difficult and never understood why you had to go through them, because, in all honesty, up to now, I still don't understand why I had to go through abuse. But I accept now that, you know, it has served a bigger purpose than myself. I want you to know that your life experiences are not in vain and that those experiences could well prepare you for something else. If you've been through difficult experiences, I want to encourage you to think about what you can glean from them, what you can learn from them. It may be something that you've learned about yourself, learned about uh, the situation. It could be that it's changed your perspective on life. I want you to think about, is there one thing that you can take away from that painful experience that has been positive? I know that's not going to be easy to do. When you've gone through painful things, it can seem like, you know, there's nothing that you can learn from it. But have a think about that. And as usual, I will be posting the episode on my instagram when it's uploaded please leave comments on there if you can i will leave in the show notes links to my books to um the courage course to my youtube channel all these different things i will leave links to them in the show notes i would love to know your thoughts on this episode and yeah thank you for listening i know it's been a bit of a longer episode than usual but thank you for your patience thank you for listening in and i will see you on the next episode take care